You guys, that you saw me awkwardly standing here while all that happened, you know, the guys at the other side, hi, they don't know that that happened, you know, but you guys do, so good morning, you know, as Chris said, you know, and was so kind to say I'm a gift to this church, you know, and I'm a fruit of your tithes and offerings and generosity, uh, I hope you're not disappointed by the gift that you got, you know, I hope it's not... To literal, I hope you continue to sing Jaira, you are enough, you know, you are enough, we don't need a better gift. But I am the Vineyard Espanol pastor, you know, so I, I wanted to preach to you in a way that is kind of like Spanglish per se, you know. I was thinking on tricking you and starting in Spanish the whole thing, you know, and making you think that I was going to go through the whole way. But I'm too tired to do that, you know. Last night was crazy, and I am very, very grateful to be here with you guys. 2023, huh, you know? You guys got a Mexican at the beginning of 2023. I mean... You, I know that we're tired because of last night and all the holidays, a long week, you know, it's too early, it's 9 a.m., you know, service. Um, but even with all that, I can feel all the energy in our heads, you know, it's 2023, we all have big plans, and for some reason, we think this is the beginning of a year that could change our lives. Every year we do that, you know, every year we think that, oh, you know, I, I was lazy this year, well, this year I'm going to be fit, you know, I'm going to be get in shape, you know, I'm going to get that degree, I'm going to get that Tesla, you know, I'm going to come to church more often, and something happens in the middle of it, you know, I think this time is kind of like... Uh, when we get naively optimistic about what we can do the rest of the year. But we have one thing, we have one thing that makes this magic happen in our minds that could shape our lives for a better future, which is New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions for us is a plan that could like potentially make us new and we all think you know some of us we're like I'm gonna lose some of this weight you know I'm gonna get better you know I'm gonna get there you know and we start working out I think at the beginning of the year who has been to a gym and in, in the beginning of the the year you know I mean who who has been to a gym come on guys you're all on my team or what you, know, you don't go to gym they're normally packed because everyone thinks that at the beginning, they're all motivated, you know, they're completing their circles and their phone. Who has that thing? That thing tells me I'm lazy all the time, you know. Like, time to get moving, stand up all the time. But at the beginning of the year, we're completing our circles because some of us at the end of the year, the only circles that we were finishing, there were donuts and pies and all of that fun stuff. But not whenever we get our New Year's resolutions. That, that is like this magical plan that is going to change everything. With that, you know, our expectations grow. We can already see ourselves in our future, and we imagine ourselves wearing that jacket that hasn't fit, you know, that dress, that uh, bathing suit, you know, that has been in the closet since 2012, you know. Doesn't fit anymore, but you swear that one day you will go into it. You know, who has that kind of stuff? If it wasn't for my wife, I would still have like medium shirts in my, in my closet, you know. But she throws them away, you know. Because I think one day I'm going to fit into them again, you know. Because I can already see myself whenever I have a New Year's resolution. I can see myself getting the job. 
I can see myself buying the dream house. I can see my Tesla parked in the driveway. We are very quick to assume that we can see what's coming in the future. This life-changing event that can occur already pictured in our heads. Expectations go really high because of this. And whenever it doesn't happen, we can feel really bad, right? can feel really bad because it's July, we're still fat. <laughs> it's hot outside. We have to go to a pool and it's like, oh man, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Here we go again, you know. Why? Why, why is it that? Or oh, even if you do get it, even if you do get it, even if you do get in shape, even if you get the dream house, even if you get there, you're still not satisfied. Have you noticed that? You got all the money you wanted to get at the beginning of the end. You got the job, but then you get there and now the job is not the dream job. It is a nightmare. <laughs> the Tesla, you know, I wanted a Tesla, but then you get the Tesla and the thing is falling apart. You know, I mean, I paid a lot of money for this thing and it leaks. They say they leak, you know. Things kind of go in a way that we're not satisfied anymore. It's not enough. We want more. And the question to us is why? What's wrong? James has some sort of insight in this. And I would like to read it to you. Attempt to read it because, I mean, I didn't speak. I don't read really well in English. But here it goes. This is James chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. And it says, now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears from, for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it, is, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. I'm going to stop right there, but it says, all such boasting is, what does it say there? Evil. Ah, come on, James. Ah, we know that you were the Lord's brother and everything, you know, but you're calling this simple thing evil. That's a big word, huh? You know, we know what evil is. Evil is killing babies. You know, being a terrorist or something like that. Cats, those are evil, you know. <laughs> Come on, even if you're a cat lover, you, th you know those, they're, they're kind of evil. You know, they wait for you to pass, you know, to kind of like hit you, you know, throw stuff out of the counter. That's evil. Mondays are evil, you know. We know what's evil, James. Why are you saying that this thing that is so common, sharing my plans, saying my plans in a confident manner... That this is evil. This in our culture is seen as something good. Have you noticed that? You get the job if you go into a job interview and you tell them, you know, I know what we're going to do. I think in a year we can get this done. You get that contract by saying, yes, ma'am, in two weeks you'll get your fence up. You know, you'll get it done. Nobody gets a job by saying, I don't know, you know, if it's the Lord's will, you know, we'll see. Right? 
In our culture, in our Western culture, this is not even something that is normal. It's something that is expected of us. Therefore, whatever James is telling us this morning, what I read into it, is it's very alien to our culture. It's very alien to the way that we think. So I would like to change that word evil because in the Bible, anything that is evil, it just says it's the opposite of Christ. It's the opposite of God. It's something that's in the total opposite way of God. And this is, this is exactly what James is trying to point out in our plans in the way that we have our resolutions. Are our plans, are they bringing us closer and with Jesus to the same direction? Or are they driving us to an opposite end? It's trying to reveal in our hearts. It wants us to think, to examine them. Because he's not saying making plans is wrong. He's not saying that planning diligently is wrong. He's not saying that being confident or positive is wrong. What he is saying is that this could be a symptom of a bigger illness in our relationship with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, if you are boasting in such manner, if you're talking so easy without even considering that God exists, just saying and affirming that you will get to this place, something could be wrong. Because there is no evidence that God is in your life. That leads me to think if we read this passage... And we will go almost verse by verse. When we read this passage, we can, a lot can be revealed about our hearts. At least to me, and I'll share to you what, what it was revealed to me. The first thing that it was revealed to me is that we're obsessed with shaping our future. Since we're kids, they tell us, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? And you're, uh, thanks to Jesus, that didn't happen. I wanted to be a boxer or something like that, I, I mean, I don't think I was good for that. I have a really big head, so I will be a really big target. So that didn't sound like a good idea. Then in, in the verse 13, you, you can read the plans, and the plans are all about us. You know, they're all about uh, we will go to the city, we will make money, business. That's the way that we shape our lives. We think it is all defined and shaped by money, by material things. And we're obsessed with the idea of, for God, you know, whenever we are like 17, we already have to decide why, why, what are we going to study? What are we going to do for the rest of our lives? Have you thought about that? You're a kid. If I, everything that I wanted when I was 17 happened, you know, I would be in trouble. I had tattoos, you know, with names of ex-girlfriends and stuff like that, you know. It would be horrible. But you have to make one of your most important decisions. You have to know what you're going to do. You have to have an idea of how to shape your future, even when it's very early. Even when you're just a kid. We're so obsessed with this that we have movies and movies for this. You know, we have Terminator. We have Avengers Endgame, Back to the Future. You must have seen one of those, you know. One idea comes out every single time out of pop culture, it is that even the smallest decision that you make 
could change forever your future. The butterfly effect, you know, if you step on a bug, you know, something can change really, really bad. That brings us anxiety. That brings us to a place that all of the weight of the future relies on us. If I make the wrong decision, where am I going to end up? If I make the wrong decision, I can ruin my life forever. And yes, we do have responsibility. After all, we were created to the image of God that he's a creator. After all, Adam did make a couple of decisions that, I mean, it got us in this mess, you know. But I want you to really consider, have you ever thought about the things that really make you, the things that really define and shape who you are today, if you will name them, a big percentage of that, you didn't pick. You didn't make the decision for that. I was born Mexican. I didn't get to pick that, you know. I would have picked something different, you know. I think. I don't know. I didn't pick, you know, to be born in that city with those teachers, with those parents, with that brother, with that uh, neighbor, you know. I didn't pick to do any of that, and yet today I'm a Mexican male, born in a different city, for good or for bad. What shaped me to be today, I didn't choose. Just, just think a little bit more. Let's go, uh, let me push a little bit harder on that. Genetically speaking, do you know how much it took to be you? For the right cell to reach for you specifically, you know, to be who you are sitting right now. Then think, think about that and then put it up there. Your dad, your grandpa, all of the generations and the amount of decisions that took for you to be sitting right here. Out of your control. Not only out of your control, not only external to you, random evenly, the color of your skin, your hair, you know, why do I have this messy hair, you know, and my brother has it differently. Why this and that? We have all those kind of questions. It could be even random. And whenever we look at the Bible, we see a God that works through all of those random events. That uses them to really shape people into different things. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's this really old guy and Sarah and, and, and Abraham and they have a kid when they can't. You know, this is unexpected. This is not, this is not, they're really old, you know. I mean, like old, old, you know. Like old. Bro, I don't know if you ever imagined that, but it's horrible. It's unexpected. If I was going to put my money on that thing, I would have been like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, it's not going to happen like that. Moses, I, I think you always read through that, you know, but Moses couldn't speak well, you know. You know, even worse than me, you know. He couldn't, he couldn't communicate well, and he's one of the biggest leaders. See, opening, you know, so a whole, whole country can get out, escape from slavery. You know, those are things that you cannot script. Those are things that you cannot foresee happening. The opportunity of God happening and showing up in our lives, it's outside of what we can predict. And whenever we see our plans, whenever we grab our plans and we say, this is what's going to happen out there, we are taking away the possibility of God entering our lives. 
We're pushing God away and saying, there's no space for you to act in my life because we are obsessed with shaping our own future. And we're taking out the biggest part of how it can be shaped. Another thing that makes me think, that this passage makes me think, is that when James is reading this to me, when he's reading the, when he's saying, you know, right in the, the verse 14, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You know, I hear him say this to me. Who do you think you are, man? <laughs> like, come on. Have you ever been asked this question? Has someone approached you? Directly or indirectly, like, who do you think you are, man? Have you been there? I'm there all the time, you know. It's kind of weird. But people, really, really, this question is not an honest question most of the time. Listen to what I have to say. When someone is telling you, who do you think you are? They know who you are, you know. Or oh, they think they know who you are. They're actually saying, I know where you belong. I know where your place is at. And they are assuming already that they are a little bit higher than you, you know. It's not so polite what they're saying, you know. It's not nice. They're saying, I am above you. I understand where you belong. But the real question, the underlying question to that is, don't you know who I am? That's what they're saying. Haven't you seen what I've done? Haven't you seen that I've been here forever before you got here, you know? That's what they're saying. Haven't you seen all the, you know, all my awards and stuff? That's what they're saying. And for someone regular like me or you to do that, well, it's out of place. It's not Christian. It's mean. But to God, to do that to us brings another whole level. What James is trying to put in our heads for us to think of is don't you know who God is? Aren't you planning and thinking in awe of who God is and what he can do? If you're not thinking of this, if you're not saying it with that care and that love, you are not even thinking of God. You might not even know who God is. The word know in the Bible is usually used to describe intimacy, to describe someone getting to know intimately another human being. Whenever we say that, don't, don't you know who I am? Do you even spend time with me? Do you even care about who I am? It's a test to our faith right away. It's a punch. And that's exactly how James intended it for our lives. Do you know who God is. Because if you're boasting in this matter, if you're speaking in this matter, you might not even know who God is, who really is. Because if you knew what he's capable of, if you knew that he comes in random places, out of context places, then your attitude will be a little bit different. James is challenging us. And this sounds so sad. I know you're looking at me like, Abby. You know, I thought this was going to be a motivational preach, you know. <laughs> Bro, it's 2023, we're tired, you know. Come on, give us something, you know. James did give us something, you know. He gave us uh, the challenge. He's punching us a little, you know. Kind of having us there on the ground now. But he's also giving us a way out. 
And this I call it the yo no sé mañana attitude. You know, as a Spanish pastor, I feel the responsibility of teaching you a little bit of Spanish. So hear me out, you know, repeat after me. Yo no, no sé mañana. Yo no sé mañana. I don't know tomorrow, bro. I don't know tomorrow. But I want you to have this in a healthy way. This is what James is saying. How about yo no sé mañana attitude? Yo no sé mañana, you're like, Abby, what does that mean? That doesn't even make sense in English. Latinos, we have this as our YOLO, you know? It's kind of like something we say whenever we don't care about anything, you know? It's one of the words. We have many. All the countries, we have many to describe this specific thing like, ah, I'm going to work tomorrow. Ah, yo no sé mañana. And you just keep drinking or doing what you're doing, you know? Yo no sé mañana. It's kind of like when you're standing at Chipotle the other day. I was talking to my wife and Ben about this. Ben was telling me he really liked the sauce, you know, the chipotle sauce uh, at Chipotle. Like, have you ever had that spicy sauce? It's really spicy, huh? To me, it's not that spicy, but it burns, you know, whenever it goes down. And then it burns later. Okay? So you're eating it, but it's so good that you're like, ah, yo no sé mañana, and you just finish the whole thing, you know? You're going to take care of the problem later without measuring the consequences of your act. This is the other extreme. This is the unhealthy, yo no sé mañana. What James is trying to say is be aware, be aware and know that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Be aware of that, but still make decisions. Still plan, still move, still come close to God. And how do we do that we were reading. Thank you, Evelyn, for reading for us in our earlier Proverbs. Whenever we read this, whenever we read this in Proverbs, it says, commit to the Lord whatever, what does it say right there? Whatever you do. That's what it says. That's not on the screen, right? Shoot. I mean, you're going to have to rely on what I'm saying. You know? I hope you understand it. You know? Commit to the Lord whatever you do. And he will establish your plans. You have to commit the way that you act before you can plan. The only way for us to do a, you know, a healthy, you know, say mañana attitude is to be aware that we don't know it, but becoming more like Christ so we can get closer to know it. Our plans become more reliable. Our resolution actually makes sense and they're established in the future once they're closer to what Jesus will do, to the way that he wants us to do it. Therefore, therefore, our resolutions need to become God solutions. And James chapter 13, like I tell you, you read it, and it says, we will go to this city. We will go on a trip. Let's go on a cruise. You know, this year we will do that. That's my resolution. You know, I want to go to a new vacation. I want to go to Europe. Sometimes we say that. Business. It says, we will do business, too. Ah, I want our, I want my, I want to do well at work. I want to raise. You know, this year I'm going to get the raise. Make money. All the things are about you. But, you know, I really thought it was interesting because since I don't speak English, I have to, <laughs> I don't speak English well. So I have to 
research words and everything. I'm really curious to know where things come, you know, the root of the word. And the word resolution, not a lot of us know, in the root of the word, it comes from Latin, which is resolvere. And listen to this. It says to loosen, loose, unyoke, undo, explain, relax. And then this one really blew my mind. Set free. In the root of the word that we use, that we use so easily, you know, kind of like what James is saying, you know, lightly. In that same word, we have a deeper meaning. That it is that this resolution is supposed to resolve, to free something. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our solutions are about us. But what Jesus did, it was about others. God's solutions were about setting free other people. God became like us in order to set free humanity. We want to exalt ourselves with our plans. And we don't realize it. Whenever we have our plans, we say, I want to look skinnier, right? I want to look good. I want to be healthy. I want to make more money for my family. It's all about us becoming better. But listen to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. This says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You know how he got exalted? By becoming less. But not thinking about himself. Jesus could have come here, become a king, sit on a throne, you know, rule earth. But instead, he came to suffer so other people will be set free. Remember that word evil that I was saying at the beginning? This is going to be my last reflection of the whole thing. Remember that word evil? Are we focused on the plans that really make a difference? This is the question that James is asking. Because people, people are suffering every day out there. And if you are using all of your strength, listen to what I'm saying. If you have to listen to anything that I say today, don't, don't come out with my jokes only. This part, this part will be the part. If you're so focused on getting skinny, and all of your energy is into going to the gym. All your energy is to do things better for you. If you're so focused on that. And you are missing the people dying out there. Then you miss the point. Then your resolutions are not where they really make a difference. Because Jesus changed the world through his solution, and save us. We can, Jesus is calling you. <laughs> we can come and have so many nice future-shaping resolutions when we Take it out of our, the attention from us to God. 
all such busting is evil. And verse 17, it says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. This leads me to finish today, and, and I want to leave you with an action step. I want you to look, take an honest look to your re New Year's resolutions. I, wanna, I want you to write them down. I want you to really think through them and, and ask yourself, is this all about me? Is this only to exalt me or to make me better? Or they said, have the intention to set free someone else. To do something good for someone else. You know, your little effort of giving, I don't know, some monthly money, you know, for a charity. And we talk about it all the time here with Feed My Starving Children and stuff. could make a huge difference in the life of someone. Something really little, you see, can change the life of someone out there. It doesn't take that much effort. Now imagine if you really put the effort in there. How many things could change for good? So write them down if you can. Think about them honestly. And ask yourself, is this all about me? And then after that, I will, I will encourage you to come to He Gets Us, you know, to continue coming. Next Sunday, I won't be preaching, you know. I promise you it will be uh, Chris, you know. You'll have a decent preacher up, up here, you know. And also, we will have our, our discussions in our groups. And in those groups, you get to know Jesus a little bit better. And when we get to know him a little bit better, we can understand what he wants from us and start acting more like him and making a difference in our future. Do you want to do that with me? Awesome. If you can, let's do this. Let's pray. Father, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for this day. Thank you for challenging us and for giving us the opportunity of having new plans that serve you and they're not only self-serving, Lord. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, of having a new beginning, Lord. And, and we pray that this is something that impacts our lives, that this message that, this that you had for us today really shape us out of ourselves from you into something that really makes a difference. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And wasn't that good? Thanks. Thank you, my brother. Yeah. Gracias. Um, connection cards. Come up. Uh, uh, no? No. Gwen says no. So, all right. Drop them on the bu in the bucket on the way out. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And then there's prayer teams up here that they'll pray for you for anything that's going on. We'll see you next week.